Hello, unknown friends. This is April 3rd on a Sunday for the Sunday Afternoon Podcast with Greg Reese. And I'm happy to uh, have you with me today. It's not quite as sunny and beautiful as it's been in the past couple of weeks. It's a bit overcast. I just got back from the Botanical Gardens. It was my first time there. Some of you... Uh, listeners have commented on my date night uh, uh, chat I had a couple weeks ago, which I've been doing every weekend, which I normally don't do, just taking myself out and doing something nice out uh, in the world. Today I went to the Botanical Gardens for the first time. It's pretty awesome. Uh, not really any admin today to talk about other than an, an absolute repeat from last week which is uh, I'm just doing this weekly podcast right now and sending it to everyone until I sort out the issues I'm having at Substack with paid versus free subscribers. It's been over a month. I would expect it to be wrapped up soon. Um, I know they're pretty busy. And then once that gets changed and fixed, I will go back to the Sunday podcast will be only for paid. And then I will also be... Um, Providing more content at that point. I'm just waiting for it to get sorted. Things like uh, people have suggested I send um, links out to my videos as soon as they're released so people don't miss them. I've had suggestions in the past for making the music available. You know, without the, like, the music I'm producing for these things. So I may do that. Um, and we'll go from there. We'll grow from there. Writing a lot more for sure. I actually am getting inspired to write my second book. So the more, the more you scribble on the page, the better if you want to be productive. That's a little tip for today. If any, I think that applies probably for anything creative and probably anything in general is if you need to do more of something, then just do more of it. <laughs> Sounds kind of obvious, right? But like if you feel like you don't have enough time, you need to produce more of what you're doing and there's just not enough time in the day. Or so. uh, if, you, if you find excuses, specifically, if I want to write a second book and I want to get to, to a level of productivity that I'm not at now, if I added in additional projects on top of the book and on top of the writing I'm already doing now, it will, excuse me, it'll end up being more work spent on the book, if that makes sense. Just like getting your engines revved up, I suppose. Pretty simple stuff. Maybe that only applies to lazy people. I don't know. So that's it for the admin. Uh, that and then also I still need to change the bumper video at the end of my videos and my website. Um, I've been so like uh, focused on work once again, and that's not going to change this week because I have extra work to do this week and probably next week. But I, I hope to have a I hope to have it done by the middle of the month. I'm taking a little bit of a break driving over to the east coast of Florida in a couple of weeks to visit a friend and um, <clears throat> I hope to have uh, all that done by then. So that's it. That's the admin. Uh, I'm going to kind of talk about today a bit about the last video I did sort of. Um, in the past few weeks, I've noticed that my conversations are completely separate. My Sunday podcasts are, are sort of unique to themselves and then they end up uh, inspiring a video the following week. It's been like that the past couple weeks, past few weeks. Um, today, I don't think that's going to happen today because I'm the notes I have today are from the most recent uh, video, which is actually not inspired from last week's talk. The uh, military thing was probably, I don't know, but um. The video is entitled The Real Agenda Behind Transgenderism. And it's uh, about 
transhumanism, basically, or more more than not. No, I wouldn't even say transhumanism. I would say it's about if you haven't seen it yet, it's about uh, the technology that exists today and that is already being used today. Now, finally, in China to produce babies without a mother and father to like factory farm, like factory created babies, basically without sperm and egg. Uh, you know, grown by AI robots. That time has arrived. And it really separates the faithful from the godless. In a way that a lot of the godless are probably finding surprising. Because a lot of them think that they are like um, intelligently superior in some way. I mean, like as they don't see the moral ethics part of it because they don't have that connection. So anyways, I'm going to start it off with a comment I read on Band.Video. If you are there right now checking out the video that I just mentioned, this is just like two comments down. And I thought this was... An excellent explanation. And this is kind of what I was trying to express in the video. And this is basically the theme of what we're going to talk about today. And the comment is... I'll give a shout out. Might as well. Um, where'd you go, band? Yeah, this is to Japesh or Japash or Japish. I don't know. The key question is, what is a person's core modus operandi for gaining vitality? One category gains vitality from helping and serving humanity and other living beings. The other category gains vitality by forcefully taking and stealing the vitality of humanity and other living beings. This distinction separates the human beings from the animals in human form. It is true that living beings are food of other living beings. However, discernment should be recognized the discernment should recognize the value of human beings and all those that endeavor to bring welfare to all living beings. But yeah, I would agree. I would say um for my entire life, I, for many years, I thought everyone fell into the same category just from my own experience. And we're going to talk about that too. Um, basically, I'm in the category, I gain vitality from helping and serving humanity and other living beings. So I get that. Um, now that also comes from helping yourself. Like uh, if you, if you, if you exercise or eat healthy foods or nurture your body in a way uh, that is serving the living things in your, you know, your body is made up of living things. But that, that is mostly understood and felt and experienced, I think, by, you know, taking care of a pet or it could be taking care of a loved one, a lover, a family member, a friend. It could be a plant. Uh, it could be. Honestly, I don't even think it needs to be a living thing. It's a service, service to others, to where your energy that you're putting out is benefiting the world around you in some way. You can gain um, a tremendous amount of vitality in your life from doing that. More than vitality, you can... Open up doors of opportunity by doing that. You can um, just create a, a, a wonderful way of experiencing life where you're basically flowing down a river and everything that you need uh, will come to you uh, if you chill and you don't have to worry. And that's the beauty of living in symbiosis on earth with God, in my opinion, and what do I mean by that? I mean, simply, when I say God, and I think I've talked about this before in the podcast, I don't understand this mystery, this mysterious force that we can't measure, we can't see, 
that we can't prove that you have to have faith in. I can't describe it. If you were to ask me what it looks like, the best I could say is it's everything. Like we're everything that, that exists in this realm that we, this is all part of God, you know? And that's still pretty abstract. I mean, in my head, it doesn't seem abstract because I'm kind of, I mean that very literally. But there are a lot of people. Oh, I might as well mention it now uh, while we're talking about it. But I have down here, uh, if we experience a truth or if we experience what we feel is a truth, does not mean that it's a universal truth for other people. And this is where uh, most people screw up. I might piss some people off today. I hope not. I might lose some subscribers today. I hope not. Because we're talking about uh, beliefs. And I might be critical. This is probably the most critical I'll get. Is this. And this applies. It doesn't matter what religion. What belief you have. A lot of times you'll have an experience. A profound experience. And I'm not taking anything away from that. It's real in every sense. The mistake that you make is that you then take what truth you learned from it and you then project that on everyone around you as if you discovered some absolute truth that now applies to everyone else. As soon as you do that, you should know you are making a huge mistake. That's a... I mean, because I think everyone is, is inspired to think that. That's a trick that the mind plays on everyone. So when I say that to you, I, I should say that to us. Because I'm the same way. If I think I figured something out that would then apply to other people in some way of... Right, right off the bat, I know I'm, I'm, I'm now beating down a, an ugly path. A cloudy, confusing path that doesn't really make sense. And it's time to shut up and, and, uh, and learn and pay attention. Because obviously I've now, I don't know. Uh, I mean, there's, a, there's so many great examples. And I think it happens to all of us. And I think there's names for it. I think it might be called confirmation bias or something. Like you, I mean, basically, uh, you know, a spiritual experience is extremely life-changing. You know? Um. That's sort of the whole point of them is they get a person's attention that allows that person to then shut up and listen and learn something. The, 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 what I, the, the key point I'm trying to make is that that experience is deeply personal. It's being... Communicated to you individually, directly, based on your soul, and obviously this is all my opinion, and based on your personality as well. The personality being that temporary thing that you've created over the past, what, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years, you know, whatever, um, that's going to, when you die, it's going to just disappear, you know, uh, some people... I've heard some arguments that claim that they could live on as some type of soulless ghosts, energy, you know, whatever, imprints. I could see that in some, some certain extent. Still dead. Anyways, point being is the, um, the lesson being taught by God, by this mysterious force that will show us truths, is being directed specifically to you, which means a lot of, of the way it's delivered is it would not, if you were to try to communicate that same thing the same way to anyone else, it'd probably be lost. That's the beauty of and perfection of God is God is able to like customize everything perfectly for you and time everything perfectly for you so that so that you are able to, if you all you all you need to do is uh, calm the mind, uh, focus, and pay attention, and it's going to be catered to you. You know, so you're not going to be too stupid to see it. You're not going to be too smart to see it. You're not going to be too 
uh, excited to see it or too slow to see it or too arrogant to see it or too uh, insecure to see it or whatever, because it's going to be made for you. So that's just the way it is. Um, and to then the biggest mistake you can make is to is to just to think, oh, this is this applies to everyone. <laughs> and that's what you see. And that's what you see a lot. And it, there's a, that, it's, a devi- it's divisive. Because really, what are we talking about? And this is what I was trying to get to in my video when I was getting into some esoteric things and some, you know, descriptions of faithful and agnostic and atheist. This comment, though, did it better, I think. Two categories. One gains vitality by serving others. And the other gains vitality by feeding off of others. That's it. That's a very simplified way of putting it. Now, now here you might be on to finding some type of universal truth on in within humanity. That's we're getting closer to that. I don't know if that exists. I don't know if universal truth exists. I think it does. Got to keep it simple. But, um, that right there is more along those lines. That's not personalized for anyone. That's, that, that's it, two categories. Um, I've actually met, uh, when I was living in Jersey City, I was renting a room for like 500 bucks in, in a house, and there was already, I think there was like six rooms being rented, uh, maybe 400 bucks, tiny rooms. Um, and I was the only guy... So all girls and then the the Turkish guy who rented it and when he met me he he said crazy things the first time he met me uh, he said uh, one of the things he said was he he was brought up to believe and he believes firmly that if you're to survive in this world you must eat other people and then he he just said it like that but then when he you know, I, and when I kind of reacted, he, he explained, I don't mean eat, physically eat, but eat as in you have to conquer and devour other people or they will conquer and devour you. And I was like, all right, that's interesting. It's an interesting, I mean, I'm sure people feel that way, but to have a complete stranger, you know, the landlord who just rented you a place over Craigslist on your first meeting, say something like that to you, you know, you take a, it's, it's very, uh, attention grabbing. And, um, the same conversation he also said if i would have seen you before i wouldn't have rented this room to you and i said why not and then he said well look at you you're you're much bigger than me you could beat me up and i didn't really have a reply to that either that's also a very strange thing to say to someone a landlord saying to someone you just met because the the thought it gave me was why would i it's like it's like he already knows that there's He's going to be giving people reasons to beat him up. I mean, am I, am I reading that wrong? In the end, uh, it's a long story. It's a whole other story. But in the end, I realized I was reading that right. Doesn't mean, you know, in that one case. But, you know, there, there are certainly people who openly believe that, that you survival is feeding off of others. And... Um, I've been watching a bit of Sam Hyde on YouTube lately, and one of the things I've been hearing, I heard there was uh, how they were saying, they were joking about how eating people is satanic, but killing people isn't. 100%, I agree with that. I mean, you could put it that simple. I mean, I guess it depends on how you're killing people, but just killing people, like murder is, is wrong. All forms of murder are wrong, and that, that really includes all the all the bad stuff, but killing is a part of nature that humanity needs to be more open and honest about, in my opinion. We're doing it uh, right now. I'm doing it right now as I breathe, as I breathe and swallow and and uh, drink my tea. There are, you know, I mean, there are microorganisms that I could measure if I had, a, you know, a piece of equipment that I could buy on eBay, I could measure how many thousands or tens of thousands or millions of these microorganisms I'm killing as I'm sitting here drinking my tea and breathing. 
you know, thinking I'm peacefully minding my own business. Instead, I'm waging like a, a, a massive genocide against these microorganisms, you know, and from someone's perspective, perhaps, you know. Um, and then there's uh, probably uh, trillions of, of life forms that I can't measure, that are too small to measure. If you're going to be realistic about it, you know, um, this is a whole other rant I could go on. The, the veganism, I don't have a problem with a diet that's based on nutrition and, and how it serves the body. The body is a, a, a temple that we have to take care of. We have to learn how to feed it right. But the vegan philosophy is don't eat anything with a face. And that to me doesn't, that to me is an admission of mental illness because that's saying that I don't care about life. I don't care about taking life. You know, I'll take the life of a, of a fruit or a vegetable or a grain or a nut, you know, cause they don't have a face. They don't have this physical characteristics about them that reminds me of myself or reminds me of my doggy or my kitty. And so it's an emotional thing. It's just a, it's a mental thing because, you know, they've done study. Now I'm going off on a whole other thing, but this is interesting. And you, a lot of you probably already know this, but they've done scientific studies with plants where plants not only experience pain, but they are traumatized. They experience trauma. Like they, they remember who it was that hurt them to the point where if that person comes in the room, they tense up electromagnetically or electrostatically. Interesting stuff, right? And uh, it makes sense. Like, it's weird to me. It's not logical to think I am a conscious being. Therefore, nothing else around me is a conscious being. That is illogical and irrational and insane. What is sensible to me is I am a conscious being and therefore everything else is a conscious being as well. That makes more sense. That is more likely. It's more logical, more sensible. It might not be true, but it's compared to the other one. It's, it's a safer bet. And I go far with that to the point of everything, to the point of every atom Every atom is, seems like it has a pulse, doesn't it? Does it not? That mystery energetic force that keeps things alive boils down to the atom, which has its own little life force, its own little pulse, its own little brain and heart and whatever, energy pattern, building block. Why wouldn't it? have some type of consciousness. Obviously, obviously, humans have a very complex consciousness. And that's why we are in the pickle that we are in today, is it not? Because <laughs> we are insane. Uh, you know, you, one of the things I've learned to respect more is when you go on social media and you see people that, you know, say, I support mental health. Um. When I see that today, I, I recognize that more of like, that really is it. Like a person who sees that that is the problem is a person, I think, who recognizes that. I mean, that's really, that's the problem, you know? And we're... I think... Um, and that's probably why we're in two categories. Because like this person said in the comment, the one category serving others. The other category is by taking and stealing. The distinction separates human beings from animals in human form. Now that's, I think that's a very good way of putting it. I would even say it seems like I, I, I always assumed that everyone has a soul, right? But, um, I don't know if that's true anymore. I don't know if it's true that everyone has a soul. I think it's quite possible that I think the most likely situation is that it's not that people are soulless, but there's so much trauma <clears throat> experienced in humanity, um, whether it be like generational 
uh, family abuse, which is extremely common and really uh, taboo and not talked about. So as common as it is uh, with the data that we have suggests it's even more common. Uh, I mean, which is scary because when you look at it, uh, you, when you really look into it, um, yeah. And so that alone, that alone will have the effect of creating so much trauma in a human being that the person like escapes their soul or their soul becomes trapped in like a cage to where it might be able to see the world around it, but it has no ability to express itself because the mind is in another, the mind is in some type of protective fight or flight reptilian brain stance, right? To where, um, You know, and the, the the person will experience that in many different ways. They might experience it in a drug addiction or a sex addiction or, you know, any type of uh, mental schism that just keeps them, you know, self-inflicting this mental state. And the funny thing is, is it's really simple, too. It's not like uh, the mind is one of our... It's a great asset we have, but it's really our, we don't know how to use it yet. I think that's one of the problems. It makes us go crazy. Like, uh, if you were to look at, um, if we, if all of our, if all we had to worry about was, you know, hunting and foraging and fetching water and starting a fire and keeping the fire going and shelter and all that stuff, like, you know, animals in the forest then it's probably pretty easy to uh, get along and and uh, but then again I think if I'm thinking right now that would still you're still going to be under these two categories though even back then and that might be that might be why we created civilization in the first place was as some a way of evolving somehow out of the primitive, you know, dog eat dog mentality. You know, I think a lot of uh, mainstream archaeologists say that civilization was created as a way of um, protecting the people from war or as a result of war, which is also contested quite a bit. And I don't think it, it doesn't really necessarily make sense. There's a lot of unanswered questions there. But that is one way of looking at it that it does make sense to me is that it could be a, a result of man just trying to be left alone, right? Because that's the other um, distinction you know, that's a very popular one. People say, is there are two types of people, those who want to be left alone and those who don't want to leave other people alone. And that's it right there. Like most people who serve others want to be left, are the type of people that openly want to be left alone. You know, they're... And then obviously those who feed off of others, they can't afford to leave other people alone because that's their vitality. And this is where I say faithful and godless. Now, that might not make sense to everyone. Just like I said earlier, that I can't say that's a universal truth. Just because that's something that speaks to me doesn't mean it's going to speak to anyone else. But it's a tricky subject, right? Because, like... Here's another thing. Uh, people say a lot of times I'll get challenged when I suggest that a person could find God and peace and, and truth in a religion other than Christianity. Now, do I think that? Yeah, I do think that. 
I just, and, and, and the reason I say that is because to me, like, and maybe I'm wrong. All right. Well, first of all, anyone who, who, who gets triggered by that and angry and suggests that I'm evil and that I am not a Christian, <laughs> this is obviously a person I don't want to listen to. This is obviously not a, a faithful person. This is a person who is decided that they have it all figured out. Because what exactly is Christ to them? Is it an image, a specific image of Christ? Is it the name? Is, it, is that what it is? Because I don't buy that. Because the thing is, is I believe that Christ energy is there for everyone. And I think that it is the way. But I think Christ energy is describing something. I don't think it's a magic word. I don't think it's an incantation. I don't think it's a, and as far as the face, you know, there's, there's an argument like, you know, Jesus was black, Jesus was white. The best explanation I've heard as to that, and it's, I don't know if it's an explanation, but here is what I, this was described to me through uh, the Gnostic teachings of Samael on Vior. I highly recommend it. It is a Christian Gnosticism sort of modernized by this guy, Samael Vior, who lived like 100 years ago. He was a, a Colombian guy, I think. Uh, basically, he was he drew upon uh, Christian scripture, Jewish scripture, Buddhist, all different types, but those are the big three. And uh, he would find the common denominators. To me, this makes sense. To some of you, this might be blasphemy. <laughs> and I'm sorry. But the way I see it is we're all really kind of simple. And, and these scriptures, all of them, have been translated and mistranslated and mistranslated and mistranslated and convoluted and uh and some of them are just accidents from our simple minds and ignorance and some of them are accidents from malicious uh deceit through thousands of years and so it's difficult to get some type of pure knowledge in it and uh what, what Samuel and Vior's point is that one of the ways of doing this and this is a, a very logical way of looking at it is to study everything and look for common factors, common denominators that, that, that you see in everything. And it's interesting because you will find that. I think it's a very smart way of looking at it. But uh, what I went off on a tangent there. If you're interested in this kind of stuff, that's a great thing. Gnosticradio.org, I think, is the website. And there's hours and hours of free lectures and and uh, articles you can download all for free. It's good stuff if you're into a uh, Christian-based religion with an open mind, esoteric scripture. So the teachings I learned from his Gnostic teachings are basically the image you put on your altar, whether it's your yogi guru, the image of Christ, the Virgin Mother Mary, whatever. They all serve the same purpose, and in his, the, the opinions of the teachings of Gnosticism, it should be the image that is most resonant in your heart for whatever reason, even if that reason is you grew up with it, because it holds the most power then. And what is the purpose of this? The purpose of this is, this is in my opinion, the purpose of the teachings of Jesus Christ. The purpose of this is... So that you see an image that reminds you of you, you don't want to use yourself because we have these ego problems, right? But it want, you want someone who looks like a human, like you. Um, in, in the most powerful way possible. And that's a personal thing. That's between you and the image. The image, for some people, might 
because we go mental sometimes, they might just go totally mental and think that this image is actually a real being. And, you know, I mean, now I'm being offensive because, you know, some people argue that that's true. And in this, and I suppose in a spiritual sense, it is true. On a personal spiritual sense, I suppose you are sort of creating this actual sort of being entity thing like that. But we're, we're, it, it's just a, there's probably a word for it. It's a connection. It's to inspire you. It's so that the, the image is supposed to be of like Christ or the Buddha, typically it's an image of a human being who embodies the characteristics that you want to embody, kindness, love, justice, truth. I'm just being personal now. And the idea is, is to have this image on your altar that you can look at and that, you, that inspires you to be more like that quality, more like that energy. And in almost every case, uh, you're going off the deep end if you start looking at this person as like a real person out there that you need to like kiss their feet and, you know, worship. <laughs> in my opinion, I think you're missing the point when you go there. I think your mind, your mental madness is taking over. And it's fine. It does, we all, I think, deal with that on a day-to-day -day basis, moment-to-moment, -moment, confronting our mental madness, you know? But that image is to inspire you. And that is, isn't that what Christ is? Christ appeared, the, the story of Christ is it's, it's God in human form to do what? To teach us. To teach us what? To teach us how to live in a way that we can all do, even dumb, even no matter how dumb we are, we can observe. We don't have to get a magic name right. We don't have to memorize scripture like it's magic, like incantations. No, it's about our actions. It's about, are we actually walking in that direction? We're not perfect. You can't get there today, but you have to, you have, it, it, you have to uh, aspire to be, to serve others, right? Back to this comment. You don't need to uh, be a genius. That's the beauty of it. It's for anyone. You just help another living thing. And God takes care of you. You know, um, I spent some time uh, studying yoga. And one of my favorite teachers in that is uh, Swami Satchidananda. Highly recommended if you're not familiar. Easy to find on Amazon, probably more uh, as far as so books sold. Probably the, one of the most popular yoga sutras commentaries. Swami Satchidananda. Why do I like him? Because he uh, isn't weird and freaky and he keeps it real simple. A lot of these gurus are kind of weird and freaky. And I'm not into that. I don't trust that. Satchidananda was cool. He kept it real simple. And uh, one of the things he would, oh, oh, like basically his answer to everything was serve others. So if you, if he was asked questions of like, you know, I'm really stressed out about being homeless someday or losing everything, he would say, just, you know, take time out of your life regularly to help other people. You know, maybe you could help people find a home or just help ensure other people have work or anything you're worried about personally. Take time out of your life in some way to help other people accomplish that thing that you're worried about. That was uh, one of his suggestions, which I think you can't go wrong with that. And that is very Christian-like, is it not? And so I have a hard time believing that certain people in some parts of the world that have certain cultures, that even though they're learning and teaching the, almost the exact same thing, just because they have a name wrong or a, their language is wrong... <laughs> Or the words from a book. I don't buy that. You know, maybe I'm the dumb one. Maybe I'm stupid. But that's my point is that what if you're dumb or stupid? Does that mean you're screwed? If so, then what's so impressive about that God? You know? <laughs> so. Um. 
Well, that's probably as offensive as I'll get on that subject. The other great lesson Satyananda taught on that subject is, um, and this is a magical power, if you want something in life, then don't chase after it. Let go of it. Surrender to it. Let go of your desire for it. Don't be obsessed over it. Now, you've heard this before many, many times with like uh, the Buddhist saying desire, talking about letting go of your desire. And I guess that's easier said than done because I do remember many years ago when I first heard all that, let go of your desire, I remember it really kind of pissed me off because it seemed like I'd be like, oh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's just that easy. That's all you got to do. It's just that easy. All you got to do is just let go of your desire. Easy peasy. No problem. Done. Right. Being sarcastic, of course. Yeah, because uh, th there was many years ago, there was a time when that just seemed insane. Right. And here's what I learned is you never really let go of your desire because your desire is really part of your operating system, part of your soul's operating system on this, in this realm. It guides you, helps guide you on a path. You have, you, you have a desire to experience certain things, to learn certain lessons. This is my belief. I didn't make this up. This is something that... I came to this conclusion from my own experience and it seems like most people come to the same conclusion from their own experience and it's been written about endless, infinite times probably because for that very reason. And so uh, it's not about ignoring your desires unless, of course, you just want to renounce all of this. <laughs> Some people do. Some people do. Some people say that it's all samsara is just a, a wasted cycle and it's an illusion and they want out. They want to escape. I believe that is the true satanic motivation is they want to escape out of this realm. I personally tend to think that I'm here for, I don't see myself as a prisoner here. I see myself as someone who is here to learn and evolve and experience and so I want to do my best to do that. I might be wrong. Maybe I enjoy it too much. Maybe I enjoy the physical realm too much. Maybe that's one of my lessons. I see it as a game. I wrote about that in my book. Um, I still, ever since I was a kid, I've seen life as a game. I still see it as a game. Doesn't mean I don't completely honor it and revere it. It is the ultimate game. I don't mean game in a casual way. What I mean by game is... You don't need to get too emotional or triggered or upset by anything. It's just, you just need to be attentive. And it's a serious game because you can lose your life. You will, you, you, you will eventually in the game lose your life, but you could lose it earlier uh, or, or who knows? I mean, you, wanna, you can pitfalls, serious things. So it's very important to pay attention. Yeah, so anyways, you can't uh, completely let go of your desire, but what you can do is you can not obsess over it, right? You can, and, and, and one of the best ways of doing that is service to others. If you have this energy that you need to deal with, one of the best ways to transmute it is to, is to find something productive and, uh, and, and project it towards that. Yeah, I think um, the other keynote takeaway from Satyananda's yogic teachings is, uh, is is learning how to know when you're being selfish or not. And, I, and he had a rule, and I think you had to be helping yourself plus, I think, two others or something like that. And I think it had to be outside of your, well, maybe it could be in your family. I'm sure it could be in your family. Like you could just be out looking for your, your family. That's service to others. I think it's just you, more than you and one other, one other is, is, is the place to be. I don't know. I can go on and on about that. But I think, I think I've made my point. The beautiful thing is that is that I think uh, we are fluid enough to where 
even though there are these two categories, <clears throat> they can jump from side to side. And obviously there's one side that's, I mean, I think it's slanted in one direction, obviously, because I have experienced the other side when I was younger from social settings. For whatever reason, and I think it's because I had, um, when I was, before I came to peace with my life, I was haunted by it. I, was, I wrote a whole book about this. Uh, I spent, it took me years. I think I was, well, I was in my, I was 36 when I finally figured out what the hell hit me when I was a kid. And then uh, it was like another 10 years before I finally was able to find peace and let go of it. And I'm very lucky, actually, because there are a lot of people that, that die without ever, you know, finding peace and getting over their shit. So I am lucky. And here I am, healthy and, and fit still. So I'm very lucky. But, um, but through that time, I definitely had uh, friends, acquaintances, and social settings of, of this other side and it's no good <laughs> that's the thing it's like once you are able to experience both once you're able to experience the side of serving others and some people are just born into that that's great but once you're able to experience that then there's no turning back because even from a selfish point of view from a completely selfish point of view when you start operating in that way, I was going to say selflessly, you gain, you, it's like becomes a superpower. It's like magic. Like I said in the beginning of the podcast, you know, opportunities will open up. Miracles will happen. You'll start feeling a natural sense of gratitude, which becomes more of it. Like it, it just, that opens up like a fountain of, of wealth wealth in the, in the real sense of like, of like actually of life experiences, you know, bringing you where your, your heart is the most happy, you know, all that stuff, all that stuff. And the opposite is true for the other side, the category that's feeding off of other people's life vitality. They are going down a dark path and, um, it's dangerous as well. It's a dangerous path. There is a certain amount of protection on the path of light, I believe, 100%. That's been my experience. And then when you, when you delve down the dark path, it's like it's almost like all bets are off. So that was the talk for the day. Hope you enjoyed it. I hope you guys are all doing good. Um, once again, I highly suggest you do something to prepare for harder times. I don't know exactly know what that means. You know, what am I doing? I, I am, I'm stocking up on things that give me, that I need, that give me comfort, simple things. Like things that I think that, that might run out. That are like soap. Um, what else do I, I need to go get? <laughs> I keep wanting to stock up on like socks and underwear and stuff. You know, I mean, who knows? I'm probably overreacting. I'll, I'll, I'm the first to admit that I have a very radical extreme attitude about things. I always have. And so to hear me, um, I, I keep it down to a minimum here on the podcast, but uh, when I'm talking to my friends one-on-one, -on -one, I tend to be like, you know, pretty grim as to where I think things might be going, you know, but I feel differently. That's the interesting thing. It's, it makes sense to me that I would, I'll go there because I, I, I always do. I, I, I have a very sort of suspicious, distrusting attitude. It's one of the reasons why I think I'm good at what I do with the reports um, but in personal life, I, I can skirt on madness uh, with that. So um, yeah, I'm sure it's not as bad as I, as I, as I say it is, like I'm with my friends and stuff. And I feel differently. Like I feel like everything's going to be okay. I really do. 
Our biggest problem is this system that's falling apart. It's just ugly and nasty and messy and everything. But, but really, once that's out of the way, and we can get that out of the way, it seems like some way right now, it really does. I don't know how. Maybe it's just dying. Who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it is as bad as I think. But let's just pretend it isn't for a second because the beautiful thing is, is if it's ever up to us, and I think it ultimately is up to us, I think that's one of the lessons we need to learn. Because when we sit here and demand to be treated better, what are we actually saying? Isn't that like basically saying we are, we're your slaves, do better, we, you own us, treat us better? Isn't that kind of like, you know what I'm saying? Like, all we need is to flip our attitude and realize, wait, we can just create what we want. We don't have to demand anyone else to create it for us. We don't, we don't have to ask for it. We can, just, we can just start making it. And I believe people are already doing Well, they are already doing that. That's what the entire cryptocurrency market was built upon, uh, the Bitcoin ideal, which is building a system outside of the banking system. That's what the whole thing was, you know, it's become a whole thing now. And all the banks now have their own little cryptos and all that stuff. But that's what would inspired it originally. That's what inspired all these other uh, blockchain, crypto, social media sites. I think social media is something we need to evolve out of. But um, yeah, the point being is um, we are in a position where we could be the builders of a new world, which is pretty good. Pretty good. It's pretty good stuff. I think... That alone will make everyone happy and fulfilled. We are meant to build. We are, a, we are meant to be creative. I think, you can, I think the proof of that is in our physical bodies. Our bodies are little makers in every sense of the word. All right, that's it. Now I'm moving into complete ramble mode where I'll, I can just do this, but I have to, I have to do, do things, you know? I have to uh, clean up a little bit, and I have to take myself out on one more little date night before the weekend's over. And then I got to kick ass all week, just like you guys. Hope you guys are doing great. Love you. Have a safe week. See you next time.